Welcome to Off the Bench with Danny Cannell. Danny Cannell. Back to throw versus Danny. Pete is tight end. And Raja Bell. Bell has done three three. 22 to Raja. It's all the future of football right before your eyes. Just yell it out, man. He can't guard me. What a great football game tonight in terms of just the competitive nature of the game. Uh, guys responding back and forth. All three phases, special teams, offense, defense. You have so much respect for Coach Reed and the Chiefs. You see why they're one of the best teams in football. Uh, but I thought our guys did an outstanding job together uh, tonight, just sticking together, uh, staying connected, not letting the circumstances dictate the way that we responded, and uh, finding a way to get a big win, and, and it'll certainly make our bye a little bit more enjoyable. And then we'll come back ready to go for the last stretch of the season. All right, so that was Sean McVay, obviously talking about the game last yeah. night. I forget sometimes. You know how old he is, right? A uh, 39? 32. Is he really? He is 32 years old. Head coach of an NFL team. Pretty impressive. Maybe one of the most exciting offenses you're seeing across the league. And he acts very mature. Like he's, uh, like obviously he's done a fantastic right. job. Was never overwhelmed at all by the moment. I mean, since he took over, Jared Goff has been a completely different quarterback. His offense is one of the best in the NFL. But I think sometimes you just forget. Like they showed it last night during the game and I was like, you was like, yeah, he's really young. He's probably 37, 38, 32. Right. I think back to when I was 32, like I was thinking about, you know, like, well, should I get married now? Am I have kids? Like, I, that was like nowhere near right. when I've been ready to go like this whole thing of grown men and lead them. Like, I was, shoot, I was trying to still play in the league at the time I was 32. Like, it's absurd how well he's done. All right. So 54, 51, Rams beat the Chiefs last night. It was, in your words, banana cakes. It was that banana was a cakes. Game yeah, that was so up. back and forth. My first question for you after watching that game, did you, did it bother you? That it was so high scoring that there wasn't much defense. Cause I saw a lot of that chatter last night on social media. No, no, it didn't bother. There was some defense. They were, right. they were getting after, uh, both those quarterbacks. There were multiple strips of, of Mahomes and, and Jared Goff. They were picks. Um, no, it didn't bother me. I was, dude, I was glued to that. Like there are times where, you know, I'll pause the TV to like put my sons to bed or, or, you know, or, or, or go do something in the kitchen and I'll come back and I'm not really caring about those six, seven minutes that I missed. I didn't miss a minute of that last night. I wanted to catch every single snap. So, no, it didn't bother me at all. Me neither, because there were three defensive touchdowns. I think you've got to look at a couple things. One, the reason there isn't much defense is because the rules have changed so much. Players are worried about, hey, what if I get you know, a helmet-to-helmet hit? Well, I don't want to hit the quarterback because I don't want to get tossed out of the game. I don't want to get fined. So the rules are encouraging this type of offense. And to your point... Both quarterbacks were taking pretty good hits. Right. They were getting strip sacks. They were scooping scores. So there wasn't, it wasn't like it was seven on seven. Cause I hear that a lot of times, uh, you know, when people are saying, oh, this is the big 12. I didn't see a lot of bad tackling. I thought the reason the game was a little well, bit sloppy, if anything, was the refs. Like the refs needed to stop throwing so many dang penalties. Like that was off the charts how many penalties they were throwing. But I thought you saw some high, extremely high level, obviously, offenses, and the speed out there was just off the charts. If you were going to tell me there was a lot of laundry on the field last night. but It was it, ridiculous. It, it was. If you were going to say that, you know, tackling is bad now because guys don't know where to hit somebody or, you know, like quarterbacks are like getting outside of the pocket now because guys won't tackle them. Like, those are rule-affected, like, situations. But when guys are just running wide open and quarterbacks are just sticking the ball into these windows, like, I don't see how rule changes fundamentally have changed the way you play defense. Those aren't rule-based things. Those are – these are offensive, like, minds being celebrated in football and there being a shift in the way the game is played. And you see it on the on the basketball – uh, court too. Like guys have just changed their perception of what is valuable. Um, and, and you see it manifesting itself in, 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 
you know, creativeness on the offensive side of the ball. And that's what you're seeing with or these creativity. Did I yeah, say? yeah, yeah, creativity. Right. Yeah, that's what you're seeing. I mean, you're seeing all these schemes that are being run. Plus, you're seeing the speed of guys like Tyreek Hill, like running, like he just is a like he's the cheetah, right? I mean, that's kind of that's Great. what he is. That's his name. And then you got Kareem Hunt coming out of the back. Yeah. You got Travis Kelsey. They have so many weapons. And on the flip side, the Rams also have a ton of weapons. They're working with Gurley, who didn't even get that many touches last night as a ball carrier. Right. He did get to catch the ball uh, out of the backfield a couple times and still made his impact felt. Uh, with three receptions for 39 yards. So I just think it's a combination of a bunch of things. I think the rules impacted somewhat, but I also think you're seeing coaches that think outside the box. Dude. Sean McVay as this wizard, this child genius prodigy, whatever you want to call it at 32 years old, I think you got to give credit to Andy Reid, who's well, like the original OG of play calling and the original outside-the-box guy for what he's doing on his side of the ball. I'm not calling one better than the other, but I will give more credit to Andy Reid than Sean McVay and not taking anything away from Sean McVay, right? But it's easier when you're a young guy to do young guy stuff. Do you know what I mean? It's harder, and you see coaches all the time across the, the scope of sports and the landscape of sports. It, it's hard to teach old dogs new tricks, right? Like I give a lot of credit to the, the older guy who can kind of reinvent himself and his offense or defense, whatever it is that it, are the nuts and bolts of, 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 of his game planning. Whatever, If he can reinvent himself over and over again and keep up with the times, I'm going to give you more credit than the young guy who's just doing what young guys do right now. I think Andy Reid deserves a ton of credit, too, for – making the move from Alex Smith and saying, I'm going to put all my eggs in one basket and Patrick Mahomes. I see yeah. an eye for talent. And he had only played one game last year. He did not play a ton. They saw him play in the preseason, but they went and drafted him. And they said, and like to have the vision of saying, I know what this offense is capable of. I need a guy that can do it. And I'm going to, and not even keeping Alex Smith around. Cause you could have, you could have worked it out or maybe keep, you were all in, you, you were all in, all in, in yeah. on Patrick Mahomes. And that, that speaks volumes about his confidence and his ability as, as sort of a talent evaluator there. Uh, I do think it shouldn't be understated. Uh, of what Aaron Donald meant to this game last oh. night. Like his, the impact he made with the two forced fumbles, the pressure that was constantly there. He is the most impactful defensive player in the NFL. And if you're going to hope to stop these offenses around the league, not just the Chiefs, but if you know the Saints, if you face that team again, yeah. uh, you know, all these other prolific offenses, you've got to have a guy who can get to the passer. That's your best chance of doing it. To ask your defensive backs to run with these guys on the outside is not a win situation, not a win-win scenario. So you need guys like Aaron Donald. Without Todd, I mean, with Todd Gurley, but without, um, um, what Jesus, Aaron Donald, yeah. they would have got smoked last night. Yeah, they would have because that that kid was like he doesn't he rarely if you give him time and he's not running for his life like he is electric and Jared Goff is really good too, mm -hmm. uh, but Patrick Mahomes is like another level type of like talent if you're gonna give him time with the arm strength oh. and stuff like that and so at one point in the game this guy was taking like ghost sacks yeah like he was just like feeling like someone should be sacking him right and like doubling over in the pocket and it yeah. affected him because he knew totally want to get the blindside strip fumble again two times correct yeah, so he's like I'm gonna go down here. I thought it was interesting too, Jared. I, some of the throws that uh, Mahomes made when he was throwing, and not, not like he's sprinting to his left. Yeah. It's not like because I like it's hard. You know, you throw you roll to your left, and you can kind of turn and set your. You know, you right. slow down a little bit. He's running full speed to his left, and just without effort, just gets the ball out, and it just rifles out of his arm. It is so impressive his arm strength. And I thought golf actually last night. He missed a bunch of throws. He did. Almost doing an interception in the last uh, drive of the game that would have sealed the game probably for the Chiefs. But there were a bunch of throws where he had his feet set in the pocket and just 
bounced it to him, which I was a little bit shocked. Like, he had 413 yards passing in the game. He probably would have had 500 if he left a couple of right. fields. I'm not knocking him. In there. It was just kind of like, oh, what's going on with him? I don't know what happened, if it was, you know, the ball slipped out or what it was. Uh, but each quarterback had two lost fumbles in the game. Tyree Kill, we talked about his speed earlier. There was a call in the game that I thought was ridiculous, and it was when he had the touchdown and he was running in and he threw up the peace sign as he was running right by the dude, like looked back at him, and you know, it's taunting, but that's when as a, an official, and these officials had no clue. I mean, they were supposed to be this all-star crew of refs. Right. They might have been all-stars at throwing the flags and throwing laundry <laughs> because that was just one where use your common sense. It wasn't – if you would have flipped him the bird, yeah. yes, throw the penalty. It was not egregious. It was just having fun. Like, that's what we're supposed to be allowing now is celebrations that are fun. Right. Like, I thought, it, yeah, it was taunting him, but use common sense. It wasn't something that was offensive. Like, it's not where anybody should be offended by that. Yeah, I'm with you on that. I think it was it, it was a silly call, but, you know – that was at a really critical point in yeah. the game. And so I'm going to have to ask Tyreek Hill to, like, I need you to chill out on that. Like, don't put us in a position where we could lose. And the 15 didn't well, cost him. But it's, I saw, did you see Andy Reid after? He went up to the he, officials and he was like, he only did this. Because I think Andy Reid thought, like most people thought, oh, he right. flipped him the bird. Right, right, right. And then he said, oh, he didn't. All he did was the peace sign. Right. Saying, I think Andy no, Reid had his back. I know, but I'm I'm saying, yeah. like, if, I, if I'm – if I'm coaching, I gotta say, bud, look, it can't be more important to do that at this point in the game than it is for us to make sure we get a kickoff from where we need to kick it off. We kick it through the end zone. It didn't wind up costing him. It worked out beneficial because there was a holding on the return and, and, uh, but I'm just saying, like, don't put yourself and your celebration before the team. Right. I'm with you, that I totally it shouldn't have been one. Too. I shouldn't agree have been a penalty, too. but don't do that. Especially if there's any doubt of the outcome of the game. Like if you're up three yeah, scores, that's you fine. Whatever, right. And you right. know the 15 yarder isn't going to hurt you that much. What I'm more worried about him is on the punt returns. Like he, he catches everything. Yeah. He's, everything he's going to return. Like and he, a couple times at Burnham, they started on the seven. They started on the well, eight. The, the last one. The last one t- cost him yeah. big time too. Same but, thing that make you laugh and make you cry. Exactly. Right. Like, and I do love his mindset. He's like, I'm fast and I'm going to run away from everybody. Yeah. But but at some time, you do have to be like situational awareness. Same thing with the celebration. Like you got to be aware of the bigger picture of where it is. So uh, he strikes put a me bow as- on it. Like I think these teams could uh, face each other in the Super Bowl. But I'm telling you, the Saints feel a little bit better to me defensively. Although if they, I mean, they had a shootout, 45-35. Yeah. Played the Saints at home. If that game's in LA, LA, maybe you give the nod to the Rams. So I think that NFC Championship game is going to be huge on a neutral neutral field between those two teams, Rams and Chiefs. I felt like home field last night was like huge for the Rams. I think they're fantastic, but I felt like that. Really? Yeah, I saw the. You know, it, it looked like he could barely hear. It right. looked like it looked like that place was jacked up to get that game back from Mexico. Yeah. I felt like it played a big role in that game last night. That's yeah. why I was asking on a neutral field. Do you think? Rams Chiefs. Well, I think that one is just, and you saw the back and forth when each team had like 10 point leads and it was no big deal. They came yeah. back. I think it comes down what to is a similar type game, like last possession, whoever has the ball last. You said you got them at what, three? You got, yeah, yeah. So yeah. what is I that? The Rams is what is home field worth to like two even three teams? Points. Is that what it's worth? Yeah, yeah. Okay, so then, all so right. They had a nail, like they had three, three point home field advantage. Yeah. That means the teams home. are yeah, relatively that much even. Equal, yeah. yeah. So yeah. We'll, it, it'll be interesting to see. I think, the Steelers are flying under the radar. Their defense, I think, is significantly better than these guys that are out there. They've been better as of late. Remember what they did to Cam Newton on you the national You think they team? can score with They've these been boys? Better. Oh, well, that's – I think they could because these defenses aren't that great. Like, right. they, they lost to the Chiefs early in the season, and I think it was 42-37. Okay. So they did go toe-to-toe. Yeah, and, and you, they got a better D than these yeah. two got. I got I'm not you. picking the Steelers to go. I just think we're, like, we're getting so spoiled with some of these games. Like, Dude. it keeps getting better and better. <laughs> that's fantastic. And I think we're, I think that's the new trend, which is awesome for the Do NFL. you have any concern about uh, Patrick Mahomes? Because I, I love him. I think he's fantastic. But he'll – 
I mean, and I guess that's why you love him. He's a gunslinger. He's got yeah. can, but he'll throw it up there though. Well, see, like he'll make some why, decisions here and there where yeah. the last two interceptions were really in points in the game where you're yeah, failing, you're totally. trying to make a play. But he does take some risks, and that was like I questioned Andy Reid. I yeah. was like, "There's this is too risky. I would not have done it." Because having watched him at Texas Tech, he had too much of that in him. Like, right. It was too much, I'm going to throw it down the field. But when you have 37 touchdown passes at this point in the season. He cuts like, it loose, dude. Oh, he, it right. <laughs> I mean, it's like, who cares if you throw yeah. a couple interception games like this one? You'll take that. You'll take the good with the bad anytime. Uh, so we'll have to see how these teams finish out because it's going to be fun to watch the end of the season. The Washington Redskins. So they were in the market for a quarterback as Alex yeah. Smith. Had that really Did they call you? leg injuries. <laughs> no, they didn't call. No, no, surprisingly not. I had the phone next to me all day yeah. just in case. I did not get a call. They worked out several quarterbacks. How long? And, how long did you stay in shape for? Sorry, how long oh, did yeah, you stay sure. in shape for after three years? Three years. Three years. Waiting yeah. for it to well, call. Well, I told you what happened. My retirement story. Like I, I was still working out, scouring the waiver wire, and then I got my retirement papers sent to me. And said, "No, you're done. You're finished." <laughs> We're well, I was still ready to go. I was like, right. I'm good. Oh, then, uh, then I'm, that was the moment I was like, "All right, I can stop working right. out for that." I got but you. Legitimately like the two years after because I still had some workouts yeah. when I was two years out. Right. Like teams would bring me in on a day like the Tuesday when somebody's hurt yep. and I'd work out with another guy and then they'd end up signing the other guy. <laughs> or they or they just brought me in really to work out some receivers and they needed a quarterback to throw to them. Right, right, right. That was just the, like the arm that was there. So the Redskins did that. They brought in several quarterbacks. They end up signing uh former Jets quarterback Mark Sanchez. So there is there are a lot of connections with him, with the Jets, with the, the coaching staff. So they're passing, the Redskins passing game coordinator, Kevin O'Connell. He was a backup with Mark Sanchez on the Jets. Okay. Uh, Matt Cavanaugh, their offensive coordinator, was the Jets quarterback coach yeah. while Mark Sanchez was there. Familiarity. Anytime you see somebody sign that's a quarterback that's sort of pedestrian or not very good. Right. There does become a lot of conversation. Well, why isn't Colin Kaepernick playing? I'm good with that now. Yeah, I think it's this point where if you're Kaepernick and you want to play now, he came out this week and there was some sort of statement put out that said he still is interested in playing. I think he's got to be more vocal about it. Correct. I think he needs to go out and put more video out there. And I think he needs to be willing to play at a salary, which Mark Sanchez is playing. Yeah. Sanchez is going to sign for dirt cheap. He's going to sign for league minimum that's right. going to be prorated, so he's probably going to make $400,000 this year. For they're not comparing apples to oranges if, if, right. if, if which Alan Kaepernick nuts. won't right. play for that. It's right? a cheap tweet to go out there and say, oh, Sanchez is on a team and Kaepernick is not. Like, that's a cheap, it's not a good comparison. It's not a good comparison. Right. Um, I would, trust me, I would love to see Kaepernick get another opportunity. I would love to see him do it. I just don't. First of all, he's suing the league, so that's a lot of that's, that's a, a issue mess right there. Although Eric Reed is too, who signed with the Panthers, right? He got an opportunity. Um, I just don't know where his value, where he views his own value. Like if he's willing to play for league minimum, yeah. He, but on the flip side, I get his point. Like, hey, I was a starter, I should get paid starter money. But no one's going to give him that after he's been out this long. And so, and there also is the not it's not like the controversy that surrounds Dude. him like teams have to really take a risk and what it would mean to their fans but i feel like it's so far removed now it's not you don't think so no i think it's right back it really is it. not like it's right where it has always been with like colin kaepernick how all of those people country, if like if he did get signed and he did get an opportunity what well, yeah it, it would be great like, i mean i think we would i think it would be, it would move forward and i think that's what some that's him. what some people are saying right. no seriously and then other people are saying you better not touch him like because if he right. comes back to the field i won't watch what if NFL he came anymore. back to the field and he did not kneel? Would you feel like he was a sellout? Um, I don't know that I'd feel like he was a sellout. I mean, because <sighs> he's already changed the conversation. Yeah, I don't. I, look, a ton of awareness to what. At he this point, I don't. I don't feel like. I, I think that 
you know, if he continues to champion his cause and continues to do the philanthropic work and raise awareness and so on and so forth, for me, it's not about the kneeling. Like right. it, was, it was about the conversation right. and about the effort. And so if he were just to decide that I don't, I'm not going to kneel, it's fine. I don't have a problem with that. Uh, I do think there are those who would never be okay with him playing right. football. And if for me, it's an interesting conversation because I used to have it, you know, with, with, you know, my father-in-law at times and my brother-in-law at times about a guy doing something off the field, um, or even like Ka- Kaepernick's situation is on the field and why they should never be allowed to play quarterback anymore. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like this is a very real conversation. We don't usually go this on the show, right. but it'd be cool if he played like receiver or running back, but the, the conversation is all oh, he did that. He should never be able to play quarterback in the NFL anymore. And I think that's like a, that's a stigma type stereotypical thing. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And I think it's very real. And I think as it pertains to Colin Kaepernick, if he came back, Somebody gave him a shot. You'd have a bunch of people like, Cap, yeah, and then you have a bunch of people like ripping up tickets and burning and burning their uh, team flags. Yeah, which is kind of sad. I mean, it's kind of the state of our country yeah. right now that you know that he can't go out there and play. I think the Ravens would be a good spot. Yeah, I mean, what they did with Lamar Jackson running him uh, twenty-seven rushes yeah. out there. I mean, Kaepernick would be a perfect fit with that system to back him up or even potentially play over him. How long do you think it takes for them to actually like integrate him up. and have him look they like have a, to right? They're going to kill that kid. Survive. He right. will not survive. Now he ran out of bounds like eight times. Good for. Like he should. I'm trying to say he should. Right. There were three kneels, kneel downs at the end of the game. Mm-hmm. So a lot of those rushes, he didn't take a pounding like you would think. But I think they have to open it up. But I think it's more of a comfort level. And it will open up things in the pass game right. for him. Because now the defense have seen so many times he's running that zone read option, which is what they ran a lot. Like yeah. they, you know, they ran that. They'll develop some play action passes. So some things will open up for him for sure. All right. Let's take a look at our Heath Cummings uh, top waiver wire ads. Uh, if you are got your fantasy stuff going on, Jameis Winston going to start this week for the Tampa Bay Bucks. I think it's a pretty good move, too, because I think he puts up massive numbers. Might throw a couple interceptions, but take the good with the bad again. Gus Edwards will be running the ball for the Baltimore Ravens. Is that a Miami product? Them. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, look at go. you. You know it was. I had to ask right. Coco. I'm like, where did he go to school? Ended up at Rutgers, but did play at Miami. That's right. Okay, Trey. Uh, for a few years. Uh, but, yeah, I think also what you're going to see is the more Lamar Jackson runs, it'll open up the run game for the running back. Right, right, right. Guys will start tackling him in the back four, backfield. And then DJ Moore for the Carolina Panthers might want to snatch him up at this point in the season, too. All right, we're going to take a break. We'll come back with my top eight from college football. There's a team in the Pac-12 that I think deserves more love, and we're going to give it to them. Coming up next. All right, let's check out uh, my top eight, okay, because I think they're really starting to take shape. Yep. And I, I don't love it because I want it to be a little shake-up. Mm-hmm. But Notre Dame, they're a lock. Yeah, they're in. They're in. Because they're going to beat USC this weekend. Clemson. In. It has given them some problems. In. I don't see. They have South Carolina this weekend. In. Watch uh, out. They're in. Bama. In. In. Wait, no, but you got they got Georgia. They got, they got Auburn rivalry game. Oh, but Auburn's garbage this yeah. year. They have Georgia in the yeah. championship. Uh, they're a little bit I'm not going to say in. Which is crazy because they might be the best team on this list, and yet they're probably the shakiest because of the two games they have remaining. Right. Uh, Michigan, they're starting to like – Ohio State has been playing down to the competition. Their defense has not looked that great. Dwayne Haskins has been awesome. Um, but they have the rivalry game. It's in Columbus. It's at Ohio State. Correct. It's going to be bananas. And Ohio State can score. Yeah. And that's always dangerous when you go to somebody's field that can score, right? Correct. So that's the one spot there that I think leaves a little bit open, like, all right, maybe that maybe you could see some shake up there. And then you have to play whoever wins that game play Northwestern. I know people will laugh and say Northwestern's not that good. They got a bunch of losses this year, but Pat Fitzgerald, one of the better coaches uh in college football, doing more with less. Right. He doesn't have all the four and five stars. I think that could be a 
potential hiccup game for a Big Ten uh, champ. I would not be shocked. Now, clearly, I would probably pick the winner of that to go on and win the Big Ten. Right. But if we were sitting here talking about Northwestern as the Big Ten champ, I wouldn't be totally surprised. You wouldn't be floored by it. No. So then, it, like, if they lose, it opens up the spot for that number four spot, yeah. which I think Washington State deserves more credit for what they're doing this year. They've got Gardner Minshew, this quarterback out there with the mustache, <laughs> leads the country in passing yards. He play, like, and of course you're going to get that in a uh, Mike Leach system. But through this far of the season, through 11 games, complete 70% of your passes, got 36 touchdowns, seven interceptions, and he's got a pretty nice resume that they built out, uh, built up at Washington State, having some really nice wins, and their only loss being on the road early in the season to a USC team by three points. I think they should be, they should be at least like a real legitimate part of the conversation, yet I don't know if they'll get it just because of the love that the committee has for the SEC and the Big Ten. Like, I think Washington State would be nervous if Bama got beat by Georgia. I think the committee might be more likely to put in Georgia in that four spot. Or, excuse me, Bama, keep Bama in even though they lost. And that would drive me nuts considering what Washington State has done all season long. Well, I know it would drive you nuts because there's an SEC... Un- unbiased, if I could call that. <laughs> you have an SEC. <laughs> but no, I, I hear you. I don't know enough about Washington State. Um, but it is a very real thing that if, if Georgia um, at number seven should be Bama, that Washington State should be worried. And I don't know that I would have as much beef with that as you would. because I. So you'd be okay if Alabama yeah. lost an SEC championship game I might and be. you kept them yeah. moving forward. Yeah, I might be. Because they're, they're one loss. They're one loss. They're one loss just like Washington State, though, right? Like, yes, but they lost in a championship game, which I think should hold more weight. Those bring more value. It, it, the timing of the loss is an issue. What, I mean, if you're going up, like, say they were number one, Good. say they were number one and number two. Yes. Right? Let's say Georgia was number two and right. Bama lost to number two. In the SEC championship, you still wouldn't keep Bama in the top four? That's the way playoffs are supposed to work. Like, you should at one point, there should be a penalty for a loss. not the playoffs, though. You're not in the playoffs yet. Conference championship game, which should matter. In my book, you should have to be a conference champion. Because it's not more about Alabama. The same conversation has been had before if it was Ohio State and Penn State. I want the best four teams in the playoff. How do you determine that, though? But eye test because they looked well, all it's, season it's long. Part, the eye test is I part think of it. Way too subjective for me. No, I yeah, want to take it out of people saying who we think is the best, right? And actually having it played on in the field. That's my biggest beef with it, and it always has been with our system. Like I think it should be determined by who wins their way in. Because you know what, we're wrong all the time on who we think are the best teams out there. Look, you're telling me that the way Bama, the way Bama has played all year long. If yep. they should be in a slugfest with the Georgia team and just come up short, let's say they catch a bad break, there's a bad call, something happens, right? That's enough to say that Bama doesn't deserve to play in that national championship game. As good okay as they've been. It's okay with, because they're as good as they've been against their schedule, which I don't think is as hyped up as people have made it to be. Let me ask you this, see how yeah. far you're willing to go with this. Who's Washington, Washington State, State played? All right. So let's just, so we'll take Washington State out of the picture. Oh, okay. All right, let's say Michigan, who is in four now. Yeah. Let's say they beat Ohio State, mm-hmm. and let's say they beat Northwestern. Correct. They're in the four. Would you bump them out and keep Alabama in if they lost in this slugfest to Georgia? Like, how much? How far are you willing to go with this? Oh, they're the four best teams. Michigan, no. No, I wouldn't. Michigan is better and has a better resume. Yeah, yes, because they've got they played more teams. They're playing in the Big Ten. Um, I've seen them in some dogfights, and and just generally speaking, when I watch them, and I think that they are a better team than Washington State. Right, I think so too. I think you're right. Hopefully, like I usually root for chaos. I don't want Bama to get beat. I want Bama to get in so we can get a really clear cut. So you don't have two SEC teams in again. I want to see more teams have a shot. 
And I want to see teams have a shot that I think, because I think a 1-4 Michigan versus Bama would be fascinating. I think Bama would win because it fits their style yeah. of play, but I would love to see it. Jim Harbaugh against Nick Saban, are you kidding me? Right. I think it'd be fantastic. I would love to see that happen. But I think Washington State, I think they need a lot of help. Like, I think they would need Clemson to lose, um, you know, maybe to South Carolina. Yeah, things would have to yeah, fall they, they would need the right a lot way. of help to get it. But I just want to give them some credit because they deserve it because they have had a fantastic season. Yeah, and good for you guys, you Washington State. You know what? You know what's killing them? Hey, Washington State, if you want to get in, then don't schedule Wyoming, San Jose State, and Eastern Washington as your non-conference. Correct. Like, that's their own fault for doing Correct. that. Uh, so Ed Oliver, we we talk about that a little bit. Uh, you weren't here. Yeah. So whose side were well, you on? Whose side? There's yeah. only one side to be on. No, on there's not. The Ed Oliver's rules, side. The side of structure, the side of authority. <laughs> no, here's, to be serious, here's what I thought about it. I thought both sides looked bad. I thought, yes, it was a stupid rule, but it is a rule that everyone on the sideline is supposed to abide by. So I get what Major Applewhite was doing, but could have been so easily avoided if they would have done it at halftime. Just Major, go in the locker room. Do you know and how petty? Said, do you know how petty you look, Major but Applewhite? Coaches are petty, and they it's do, cold. It's exactly, cold. but he's trying to reserve those for starters. For start, you know, only starters get the jackets. And if Ed Oliver's wearing one, then hey, every other you know backup who, dude, you know who want one too. You know who? Yeah, you know who should be treated like a starter, even if he's not playing. Who? The potential top ten pick in your program. <laughs> he should be treated like a starter, no, even if you he's can't injured. Send that message Absolutely. to your team. You can't. Send what that team that have you ever been on where everyone is treated exactly the same in college? No, I stop did. it! Absolutely. No way! Absolutely not! I told you, you know how much stuff I got away with in college that the the kid who who. <laughs> Came in as a two star and wound up being a, a half of a star. You were a prima donna. I wasn't you? a prima donna, but like the like it's not, the world's not fair, bro. It's not fair. <laughs> you know, you know what I mean? How this but you know what it is? It is fair. It's not always equal, right? You know what I mean? Like <laughs> things true. are fair. It just it ain't always equal. Been easily avoided because I think Major Applewhite could have done it at halftime. Said, "Hey, man, taking him aside, said, look, I can't give you special treatment. Everybody else is gonna be doing it. Can you do me a favor and take it off?'" And I think Ed Oliver would have said that. And I also think Ed Oliver could have. Taking up his beef in the locker room, got mad, but he lost it. So I think it just made everybody look bad. First of all, end. it was way deeper than that. Like that had way more to do with the jacket. Like there's not even a question. Probably that, that thing that that you happened. You know how over it really went jacket. down. My guess is that you know how this when you get when you get to a certain status on a on a team, you develop relationships with equipment managers. Yeah, other guys don't. Right. I bet Ed Oliver went up to the head equipment manager. Oh, let me get one of them jackets. Exactly, man. Hook me up, bro. Hook, yeah. hook me up. And he said, "All right, man, don't tell anybody, man. Keep it on the down low." Right. And then Major Applewhite notices because if you're some you know 83rd guy on the roster, you go say, "Hey, man, let me get a jacket." The guys be like, "What? No, you can't get a jacket." Listen, it's the rules. Here's my deal, and I said the same thing when I played, and I ain't gonna call no names. But if you're head coaching. And you're worried about what the hell I'm wearing over there on the sideline instead of what's going on in the game. It speaks to why we have the record that we have, bro. <laughs> Worry about coaching the game, not what I'm wearing when it's cold outside. All right. Well, they both put out statements saying they kind of separated themselves for it. Ed Oliver said, last night is not who I am. Right. I'm very passionate about the game of football. Last night was a misunderstanding. I got caught in an emotional moment. He apologized. He said they have most respect for uh, Major Applewhite. Guess what he's going to do? He's going to suit up and he's going to play with his what team. What did Major Applewhite say? He said, he said the same sort of line. He's like, I apologize. It was, you know, caught out of a moment. It was an emotional moment for Ed Oliver. He didn't apologize for having the rule though, if that's what you're looking for. Yeah. I got a, I got a jackass rule and I should never have it in place in the first place. Ed Oliver means a whole lot. Yeah. Like we want to, yeah. Okay. All right. So everyone, good for so you, Ed Oliver. Is they handled it like adults. It's water under the bridge. One of them did. Ed Oliver's still going to get One of them paid. did. He's still going to get his money when it's all said and done. <laughs> all right. We got to take a break. We got to come back. The Wizards are like Apple White when he was at Texas and I still don't like Apple White. <laughs> that's right. The Wizards are a complete mess. We've got to fill you in on that one next and off the bench.
All right, welcome back. Off the bench. Here's Joel Embiid. Oh, hey. trying to do the windmill, catch the back of the rim. And you show you then, how to do this, son. Yeah, Zion Williamson's going to say, oh, that's just he. Of course, you get him side by side. You get the failed windmill by <laughs> Embiid. And then Zion Williamson, he oh, just dunks with both hands. He's got those. And it's so effortless. Like, he's such the wingspan. Jets like, and boots. It's nuts. <laughs> and, but like, also the ambidextrous. Amb- yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's the word. Like, I, I think that's the word. Yeah, it could be. The ability to do it both <laughs> hands. And like, at the, like, it wasn't like he had to think about it. It just comes natural to him just to go whatever's like makes sense. I think he, it's got the type of hops where he can just jump. Yeah. And then figure it out. Yeah. Right. And like the he, body control in midair to be able to just whatever. Let me just get all around there. It's pretty freaky athletic. Yeah. It was pretty sick. Uh, you know, what's not so hot right now is what's going on in Washington with the wizards mm-hmm. because this is an absolute mess. Like yep. you start reading some of these stories. Woj reported the other day that, uh, they were going to start shopping around Bradley Beal yeah. and, uh, John Wall. And now you're starting to find out some of the details and some of the background that, there are fights at practice. You got John Wall cursing out Scott Brooks and he gets fined for it. Uh, they, first of all, Wall was fighting with Jeff Green. Um, and then they pushed Wall to the, uh, like pushed him and then he re- yelled back and bleep you towards Scott Brooks. He did apologize. Of course he did after the fact. Sure. Uh, to Scott Brooks and then his teammates the following day, he also apologized to them. And then you had Bradley Beal and Austin Rivers get into a verbal op- altercation at practice. It's, I mean, it just looks like it's a total toxic situation where yeah. you need to just clean house and get out of there. Scott Brooks was already one of those coaches we had thought was in trouble. Sure. Five and 11. Scott Brooks should have, disaster. Scott Brooks should have been gone. And so what, what makes me ask, I want to ask you, like, why, why not just get rid of Scott Brooks? Do you think there's, do you think this is a locker room that is just, there's no chemistry and these well, guys are going at it? I want to say, I want to say that before Scott got there, there were already some rumblings of those two not being able to coexist, meaning Bradley Beal and and John Wall, if I'm not mistaken. Um, and, and I think he was brought in in part to try to help those two figure out how to have that chemistry because he had had Russ and KD, and they played well together, right? And so, in theory, you, you find yourself two stars, a point, and a wing. You can make that work. Um, it hasn't worked. So, number one, Scott wasn't the guy, but number two, um, it's clear that those two, for some reason, whether they're friends or not, that's besides the point. Like, their on-court um, hasn't translated into wins. And you have enough – well, it's translated into wins. It just hasn't translated into being enough to get you over the hump uh, to be a championship-level contending team. And that may have something to do with what Ernie Grunfeld, which was my next point, has put around them to supplement their two talents, right? Like, maybe it speaks more to that, but then – you know, I'm kind of with Bradley Beal and that it kind of starts at the top. And that's what he's alluding to. This is just frustration boiling over at every yeah. point, right? Because Bradley Everybody's Beal, pissed. who was in this altercation with Austin Rivers, once they separated him, they, he was all pissed off. And he goes over there and he gestures towards Ernie Grunfeld, the yeah. president of the organization, and said something along the lines of it starts at the top, basically calling him I've out. been dealing with this for years, he said, and it right. starts at the top. And, every, and look, everybody's frustrated. Those two in a vacuum are both top five in their position in the NBA like that, you know, in the same backcourt, they have to be considered one of the top four or five backcourts in the league. And they just can't figure out how to get that um, rolling the way other teams have been able to get their two stars rolling. And you known this for a while. Like, is this known about the league? Cause I yeah. like these two together. Like I thought they had some dog in them. Like, no, I this, love their attitude. They weren't intimidated by anybody, but they've had tension there for a while. Yeah. It's been reported for a while. Everyone always shoots it down, but again, it's one of those things where there's smoke, there's fire. I don't know either one of them personally, other than to say hello. And I'm not in their locker room or I don't have a source in their locker room. So this is pure speculation. But again, it's been rumored 
over the course of, of seasons, like multiple reports from multiple sources that there is a beef and those two don't really mix on the court. And so, look, again. Who do you think would be a good – like if you're a team out there, like if you're the Pelicans, would you call and say, hey, man, I'm, I'll take one of them? What? I would take either one of those two dudes by themselves. Like, right. I don't, right. I don't yeah, you're not doing one. the package deal. <laughs> I wasn't either, saying that. Either no, one of sure. them. Like you don't want to bring think, both of them. Um, you know, it would depend on the roster makeup. What do you got? New Orleans, I probably – yeah, Bradley Beal. I don't want John Wall because I really like Drew Holiday. I think he's a really good player, electrifying, like, defender with his length and stuff like that. So depending on what I needed, yeah, either one of those guys would be a great fit. And then for Washington, uh, you got Otto Porter. You got Kelly Oubre. He's another tough personality. Um, and what what – so what happens is you have some dysfunction already, and then you bring in guys like Jeff Green and Austin Rivers. And when you sell them on coming in, you sell them on needing a veteran presence, right? right. Like needing someone who's won and can help. And those guys come in and they think because like the general manager or the head coach or the owner wants them to be vocal and lead, you know, like that, that everybody in the locker room is going to be cool with that. And it doesn't work out like that. You come in there and you're rubbing people the wrong way, a la Jimmy Butler in in Minnesota, right? Like yeah. ownership and everybody say, "Hey, go in there and lead us." And everybody in the locker room is like, "Bro, back up!" Right? Like we've been here, we know this bull stuff don't work. Don't come in here with the rah rah yelling and and now it's just a dumpster fire. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh, who's the most underrated player in the NBA? <laughs> Blindsided me with yeah. that. Who's the most underrated player? Maybe Kemba. Maybe Kemba. It is Kemba yeah. Walker because this dude is absolutely lighting it up uh, in Charlotte. He's uh, had 103 points in his last two games. He had 60 on Saturday. He had 43 last night in a win over the Celtics. Um, he's averaging 29 on the season, shooting 46% from the floor. They're eight and eight. His team is. If he's gonna be a free agent at the end of the season, like Ooh. this guy, like whenever you have that free agent conversation, it's bigger names. He never gets included in that. Ooh. My question to you is, why not? Um, I mean, because he's been on a bad franchise well, in a market that doesn't get a lot of love. They he, haven't had a lot of success. He's but. a small scorer. Um, and this one just, well, I think it's fantastic. So when I, like when I have my boys, you say underrated, but when I have my boys watch players, like on YouTube and stuff, I have them watch Kemba. Right. He's one of the five guys I have them watch to kind of take stuff from their game. But here, here would be the knock if I'm being the devil's advocate. Like he's a small scorer and he's a volume dude. And, you know, sometimes when you're trying to win on championship level, um, kind of hard to find a fit with that, right? Like say LeBron, for instance, in LA. LeBron needs the ball. So now you bring in Kemba, who can get you 30 in a heartbeat, but he has to have the ball. So now you've marginalized LeBron. Like, you, you know what I mean? Like, there's situations like that, but in a, dude, he's fantastic. Now, here's the, here's the thing. I watched the game last night. It's the first time I watched them all year. It was literally come down the court and get Kemba the ball and everyone else watched. Really? It looked like the 2001 76ers. It really did. And I played on that team. So I know what that's like to stand there and just watch. You know, it's okay. Right. We all accepted that role, but that is what they're doing. At least they've done, they did last night in Charlotte. And to the point where Kemba was so exhausted that he got to the corner, put his hands on his knees, kind of put his head down and then it became give Tony Parker the ball for two possessions. Tony closed the game out, but that's not sustainable. No. Like you can't ask him to do that. And if you take that anywhere else, the question is, does it translate into being able to win a championship? I have a very important question to ask you. Because it pertains to his future. Yeah. Do you think he's a first team all NBA player? Probably not, right? Why not? How about second yeah. team all NBA? You do. Yeah, this year. He's leading the league in scoring. Alright, so he's going to get, because that will qualify him. If he's yeah. first, second, or third team all NBA, that'll qualify him for the super max deal of 221 million. Uh, <laughs> so he's about to get his. He will be one of the top three teams if he, if he continues the pace. Like, yeah. I, first team, they, they kind of pencil those in a little bit. <laughs> yeah. Of um, 
Popularity Second team, contest. certainly he should be. Third team, he will be. All right. Um, so yeah, Kemba, good for you, dude. Yeah, so he's good, good for he you. Is. Yeah, good for him. All right, let's get over to Hannah for socially relevant. Hey guys, so we start up with a sport that we rarely talk about here on Off the Bench, curling. So an Olympic gold medalist and his three teammates were kicked out of a curling tournament on Sunday for being, quote, extremely drunk, according to officials nice. from the event. So apparently these guys were all ejected from the Red Deer Curling Classic because they were swearing and showing, quote, unacceptable behavior. Ryan Fry, who was the 2014 gold medal winner, he took to Twitter to apologize saying, quote, I want to express how sorry I am to everyone affected by my actions. I have to live with the consequences and will be taking every step needed to guarantee that this will never happen again. Hashtag not giving up. So, Danny, this story caught my eye in particular because if I remember correctly, when the Olympics were going on, you said that you could easily tackle curling. It looks like they might need you. <laughs> exactly. That's been my whole point about curling the whole time. Because every time there's a Winter Olympics event, I'm like, you know what? I should take up curling because I think I could get to that point. Right. Like, it's a bunch of dudes like going out there just at a bar and go roll this thing on the ice. Yeah. So I did this on uh, at my old job on a national radio show. Uh-huh. And there were apparently some curling fans were listening, including one guy, Nolan Thiessen, who was a curler for the Canadian Olympic team, I believe. And okay. he wrote this whole blog on how offended he was about me. Oh, I'll read you what he wrote in his article. <laughs> I normally do not get irrationally angry at sports talk radio. They are paid to have opinions. They don't have to be my opinions. I get that. But they are paid to stir up interest and controversy. But in February, this is 2014. Wow. This is going way back. So I'm gonna, I can't wait We're to read this, Adam. I remember listening to an American station on my satellite radio and being angry at former NFL QB. Oh, and then this is what makes me mad. Yeah. So then he goes... He of the sparkling 63.2 lifetime QB rating. And he had to go there and take a shot at my QB rating. Take that. Mr. Cannell decided to tell everyone that he felt like he could start curling this year and be good enough in the four years to represent the U.S. in 2018 in Pyeongchang. Sure, you are athletic, Danny. Sure, you'd be able to pick up the sport to some extent if you had the time and desire to try it. But here's an idea. Try to make it 17 of your first 19 shots and then throw your 20th, knowing if you miss, your team loses, and it looked as if it's all your fault. What? It's going. I don't yeah, want to. Okay. I'm gonna all right. Well, listen. But get, clearly, if the dudes are out right. there hammering, dude, I can name? do it sober. Erickson, Yersen, Thiessen. Yersen. Um, yeah. Where are you at now? Four years later. Well, I like. First of all, you would think that like a sponsor for a curling team would be some sort of alcohol. Oh yeah. Most so like, ice. why do they care that these cats were there drunk? Is the question for me. Like, they he's probably fulfilling a sponsored like they requirement. Have, they must have been getting rowdy because you know how they yell at each other like so so or sweep 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 whatever they're yelling. Um, Maybe dude, they I've were yelling too rowdy. I like most. Oh, it's one of my favorite ones. I like Canadians. Yeah. <laughs> Only in Canada though, because they got that little extra kick of uh, exactly. alcohol. They are pretty good. All right, Danny, that first one was for you. But, Roger, this next one seems a little bit more up your alley. Please don't kill me for saying that. So a Chicago (laughs) father has been accused of using a referee's uniform. To influence a playoff game his son yeah. was playing in. So here's the backstory. On November 10th, a high school football game was won in controversial fashion. And now a lawsuit is being filed by members of the school that lost that game, saying that this random father successfully swayed the officiating crew in his son's team's favor by dressing as a referee. So this father, whose name is Richard Mercado, does in fact work as a high school football official, but he was not a part of the crew for that particular game. So this guy even went on Facebook after the game bragging about his son's team's win. You can see a bunch of the parents were writing back in some heated conversations. These parents honestly were out of control on Facebook. The last thing that this father said was, quote, I did what was needed to make sure we won. So, Raja, I only picked on you because I know you get involved in your son's teams, but obviously not 
to this degree. How out of line is this? Yeah, that's just no integrity. None whatsoever. Look, I, yeah, I am a rowdy, like, dad. Some sports more than others. Like, I, I'm cheering and pulling for the, the kids and stuff. But I would never use, like, any platform that I had to, right. like, sway the decision of the no. like, That's just not, that's not. This is ridiculous. That's a terrible message to be sending to kids. The guys shouldn't, obviously, should never be allowed to ref again. Yeah. I, but the thing that's kind of sad about it is not surprising. Not surprising. Yeah. Like, in, in junior golf, I see my daughter. There's 10 and 11-year-olds playing golf, and it's not the girls themselves that are cheating. It's the parents trying right. to cheat for them. Right. And it's disgusting. It really is. Like, I'm, what type of message are you sending to your kids if that's where your priorities are? We've seen multiple times. Like, there was a brawl that almost took place at the John Lucas in Houston where, you know, we played a team from Houston. Uh, it was the John Lucas team. And we kind of got – we got hosed down the stretch a little bit. And then after the game, one of my moms who had been watching the referee's interaction with the coach, the refs are from Houston, the teams are from Houston. Like, one of my moms lost her stuff because these dudes were over there, like, dapping each other up and hugging it out. And so it happens in youth sports. But I, I would never support that. No, that's that. ridiculous. No. Well, that's all for Socially Relevant. Be sure to follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Canel and Bell. Coming up next, the Twitter talk continues. Could late night tweeting be a direct correlation to poor shooting? Danny and Roger break it down next right here on Off the Bench. All right, let's finish it up some leftovers. We got some good topics today because there's some crazy stuff that's going on. So there's a study that was done by Stony Brook. Mm-hmm. So I guess they went and they stalked 112 players' tweets from 2009 to uh, 2016. They filtered 581,000 posts into a data set of 37,000 late-night messages. Okay. Timestamp. After scraping in-game statistics from the Yahoo Sports website, they evaluated that, and their evaluation determines players scored 1.1 fewer points and play two fewer minutes in games following late night tweeting. You're doing too much, Tony. As Brooke. opposed to games not following late night tweeting. 1.1 points. Yeah. And 2.1 two minutes. minutes. Yeah, two fewer minutes. It's not enough to have supported all of that work and scrubbing you did. Not, Even that's, that's worse. Let go. When players tweeted between the hours of 2 a.m. and 6 a.m., okay. shooting success rate dropped a staggering 3.6 percentage. Staggering. Overall. It may seem like an insignificant number, but it drops off. It extends to 3.95% for players late night tweeting on the road. Oh. Watch out. So, so it's got. different. Oh. You know what? Moral so, of the story? Yeah, just don't stay up late. How about, how about not do anything from 2 a.m. Yeah, to 6 a.m.? Like, if you're getting your sleep, you'll play better. Correct. What does that have to do with tweeting? These and guys are up it, at 4 a.m. Of course, you're shooting percentages bad. in general are down when you're on the road. Period. <laughs> that's a good point. Oh. That's fair. All right, so that's one we totally hate. All right, let's get to the Big 12 because they made one of their players, uh, Brecken Hager. Mm-hmm. He was doing a press conference after a game, and he was talking about Oklahoma, and somebody told him about the Kansas score where the right. Sooners had just given up 40 points to Kansas. Kansas is not the best right. offense out there. And he said, hey, OU has no defense. And he said, wait. They they looked around, and they said, oh, there's still – it's a, wait. He looked at a clock, and he yeah. said, oh, it's 11-12, and OU still sucks. Uh. That was his record. <laughs> As he's at a press conference after the game, right. you know what the Big 12 did? They came out, they made him say sorry. Oh, big they made him apologize for his comments. Or what, is my question. He or violated, what? He violated the conference rule that prohibits coaches, student athletes, oh, this is a long, from yeah, making don't negative comments for that. another member. But what happens if he, if he says, I'm not no, apologizing? It's stupid. Like, this is ridiculous. You know what? Let him deal with it, because I actually hope they do play Oklahoma in a rematch. I think you, uh, that'd be the best part, is and let him go get out handled. there and own up Correct. to it. Yeah, if you have Oklahoma can't play in a defense, you guys will go out there and beat them. All right, the last one. This is my favorite one. Too many rules. 
You're going to love Everybody's this. got these dumb A rules. Arkansas, they have a 2-9 and nine record. Suspended two defensive starters. Forget this. Flirting with Mississippi State dance team members in the pregame. So they suspended DBs Ryan Poley and Cameron Curl in the week leading up to Friday's border uh, rival Missouri for fraternizing with oh. members of the Mississippi State dance team. We're in 1971. Yeah. Yes, they did get the digits, though. I think so. Chad Morris came out and said they twenty-one said they were fraternizing. What are you talking about? They did give up fifty-two points and ten point four yards per pass. Yeah, because they suck. But what that's got to to do with fraternizing? Touchdown passes against them. Where's your focus in that spot? I will say this: it's stupid. It's ridiculous. Of course, if it's hours before the game and you're out there spitting a little game at the dance team from the opposing school, like what's the big deal? You're supposed to be doing, bro. It's all part of college athletics. Yes, you're supposed to perform on the field, but you are also supposed to spit a little game when you have an opportunity to do so. Always the best part because if going on the road and stealing some girls from the other team, that was even better than getting the win. You'd be even more focused. Now I can't help it if they stink. Maybe that's why Chad Morris did. He's like, they played awful. I was going to bench them anyway. Now I can send this message. Who dimed them out? Well, see, this is the bigger issue because a former player, DJ Mm -hmm. Williams, and now he's a, I think he's a broadcaster, right, Coca? I think he does some work with them. Mm, mm, he mm. ratted them out. Mm. He snitched mm, mm. on them. Snitches. On <laughs> Stitches. He went out there Bro, and told uncool. them out there. Nah. No, because no, you can't come back to the locker room, DJ Williams. No, you can't uh-uh. even go. Imagine no. all the players throughout history that we've suspended. Think about Major League Baseball players during games. You su- so I played minor league baseball. <laughs> While I was playing in a game, like this right. is in pregame, two hours before, you go, you're like, hey, you want a ball? And you write down your number on a, on a ball, baseball, and yeah. give it to them as a souvenir. <laughs> Here you go. Here's the ball. And then if they notice it and they want to call up the number after, like you got it like that. It's well known. All these dudes are doing that. Jeter, um, how do you think he what did so well throughout his career? Dude, I'm Come on. saying, and in college, like you're a college – Right. Like you're a young man. Like what do you? Oh, exactly. Another this today should have been stupid rule segment. Like it, it should have been. been stupid all rules. of them were very stupid rules. Yeah. You know what? Stupid rules program. Chad Morris, you might want to worry about beating Missouri than whether your players are out there shooting a little bit of game in the pregame against yeah. Mississippi State because they're going to have their handfuls against Missouri this weekend. So yeah, do away with those rules. Let your players have a little fun. I would understand a little bit if it was during the game. If it was in the fourth yeah, quarter and they were getting yes, blown out man. by six, then it sure. makes sense. But before the game, doesn't make any sense. Let let the players have a little fun out there. Let them live a little bit. Did the right. dance team, did they get suspended for fraternizing? Or no? Question. Yeah. Double standard out there. Right. Title, there's Title Nine involved in that. <laughs> there's all kind of, all kind of stuff.